If you would have told me on Thursday before our final Orange Bowl preview show that Oklahoma would effectively score points on six straight possessions against Alabama, let's just say my pick for the game would have been different. Take away the Sooners' final possession before halftime, which wasn't a true possession because Oklahoma took over from their own 25 with 25 seconds remaining. Throw that out, and the Sooners did indeed score on Alabama six consecutive times. Georgia didn't do that in the SEC title game. Auburn didn't do that in 2017 when it beat Bama. Clemson didn't do that when the Tigers beat Bama in the national title two years ago. When Ole Miss beat the Tide 43-37 in 2015, the Rebels got close to scoring six consecutive times, but they didn't. When Ohio State knocked off Bama 42-35 in the first ever college football playoff, the Buckeyes didn't score six times in a row. That's because nobody scores six possessions in a row against Alabama. Except for OU. The Sooners did. And the Sooners lost. This is the part where I give credit to Alabama's defense for setting the tone early. The Tide forced Oklahoma to punt in the Sooners' first three possessions, allowing a measly 2.7 yards per play. We all probably should have known that it was going to be an annoying night when Anthony Jennings sacked Kyler Murray with one hand on OU's second play from scrimmage. Murray just wasn't ready for Alabama in the first quarter, which was predictable. After all, Baker Mayfield in the Orange Bowl against Clemson in his first year wasn't nearly the same Baker Mayfield we saw in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Experience is valuable. And you could tell Murray was hesitant to pull the trigger early against Alabama. He wasn't seeing the things he had normally seen against way less than capable Big 12 defenses. In the past, Murray could get away with not pulling the trigger because of his running ability. But Alabama kept him contained for three drives, made Murray look human for three drives. And three stops is all the Bama defense needed to get. That's because for the first time ever, the Crimson Tide has an elite offense with an elite quarterback. And for what seems like the millionth time, Oklahoma has a bad defense with zero elite players. Alabama had 10 possessions in that Orange Bowl. Oklahoma stopped the Tide twice. For what it's worth, the Sooners scored 10 points after those stops. Meanwhile, Alabama scored 21 points after its defense stopped the Sooners three times. So here we are yet again. Oklahoma has managed to waste another transcendent player at quarterback, and all of us who support the Sooners are left feeling, well, the same as we always feel after these big games. For what it's worth, OU averaged 7.9 yards per play in the Sooners' final seven possessions of the game. If you take away Alabama's two possessions where it punted, and you only count the eight successful Crimson Tide drives against OU, Bama averaged 7.9 yards per play. The same as Oklahoma in its successful drives. Congrats to Alabama. The Crimson Tide's a great football team, and a better football team than Oklahoma. Alabama deserved to win the Orange Bowl, no question. I also want to congratulate the rest of college football over the past two seasons. Congratulations because Oklahoma refused to address its defensive problems for consecutive years. Congratulations because even though you couldn't stop OU very much, I'm talking to you, Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. Even though OU scored more times than not, your offense got to trot right back onto the field and face that Sooners defense each and every time. Congratulations. Maybe one day at this time of the year, I'll say congratulations to Oklahoma and not everybody else.
I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. And you're hearing my voice again so soon, which means no intro today. Not interested in going back to that game yet and pulling any plays for the intro, so let's just skip that and move on to what will hopefully be a therapeutic talk about Oklahoma football. Before we get into all the guts of this show, though, I do really want to thank all you guys for pouring in the iTunes ratings the last couple of weeks. We asked you to leave ratings and feedback, and you answered the call. I think we've gotten more ratings in the last two weeks than we had in the last two months of the show, so a big thank you for that. If you're interested in leaving more feedback, just lift up that phone you're using, tap the five stars if you please, and also if you look below that, it says leave a review. You can add your thoughts to your rating right there. And a sidebar, I actually just left my first iTunes review this past week for another podcast that I listen to all the time. I figure that I tell you all to rate and review our show, so I should probably do the same for other podcasts that I like. So I went and did that. All right, coming up on the show, well, Grant and I will just kind of talk it out. And then we do have, for the final time, three word reviews. That'll be about it. So without further ado, let's bring in Grant now. Grant, how is it going today? Oh, it's going. Just uh, Actually, this is, this is probably the least upset I've been about a loss in, in, in quite some time uh, for OU football. So um, when the other team is just so apparently better, it hurts quite a bit less. So that's, that's sort of just where I am this morning. Yeah, it's different than it was a year ago because... Again, I thought Oklahoma was going to win the win the Rose Bowl. I thought the Sooners would beat Georgia, and Oklahoma, frankly, should have beaten Georgia. So that loss was um, was bad. I mean, that was a that was a difficult pill to swallow. This one, I thought Oklahoma would lose. I thought Oklahoma would lose by double digits, and the Sooners did. And it, so, yeah, it's not as as bad as it was a year ago. Uh, but this one is weird because. Just the the Sooners clearly were not ready from the jump. And this is a team that going back to 2016, when Oklahoma started so slowly and lost those first, what, two out of three games and effectively put them out of the playoff in 2016. 2017, they came in thinking, okay, we got to start fast. We got to come out. We can't have that letdown early. And for the most part, since the beginning of 2017, Oklahoma has not had any of games where they truly begin slowly and when they do it's normally against that maybe a team they weren't totally focused on playing well the only game that comes to mind was Kansas State in 2017 in Manhattan and that was the last time that Oklahoma I think was trailing or only had 10 points or something like that at halftime I I saw a halftime stat so the I mean effectively what happened in this game is Oklahoma got behind the eight ball 21 nothing and then 28 nothing and that was it grant yeah i i think i think the end result of the game is is sort of what everybody expected on paper would happen i think how we got there what was a little bit surprising i did not anticipate alabama getting up 28 to nothing obviously but i i, I really think that was it I, it was just alabama just came out and just punched them right in the mouth to start the game um, and I, you could sort of see it coming. They, I, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but there are people on social media who are sort of criticizing, you know, Lincoln Riley and also on the broadcast too for, for deferring as well. 
um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, whatever. But when Alabama just sort of goes right down, right down the field and scores pretty easily, um, and then you go three and out, I think just the entire tenor of the game and the mindset of everybody sort of changed immediately after that happened. Um, yeah, and I thought also, I mean, there was a lot of things that went into it. I think it it was pretty clear that it took OU's offense a while to to adjust to Alabama's speed and just, frankly, their ability as well. And once they did that, they they were fine. They they moved the ball better on Alabama than anyone has in the last three years, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, once they figured it out, it, it was too late and... There, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know. I thought, I thought Marquise Brown being hurt early on was probably a pretty big deal on those first three drives. Um, even heard it this morning too, and after the game, Lincoln Riley said uh, that they honestly thought they would get more out of him, um, but it just wasn't his night. So, just all around, just a, a lot of stuff ended up kind of working against OU. Probably most of all being just Alabama is just is frankly just an outstanding football team. I. I um, if they go on and win the national championship over Clemson here in a few days, uh, they'll probably rightly be looked at as one of the best teams in the history of college football. Yeah, the last time we were talking about best team ever was what that USC team with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner that yeah. beat Oklahoma they, by this, 100 points. In this the Bama team is every bit as good as those early 2000s USC teams. Funny how Oklahoma always has to end up being uh, one of the teams that gets to face these historically good teams and it, it never can be Oklahoma that's one of those historically good teams I guess unless you go back to 2008 but Oklahoma then had to play another kind of historically good Florida team that had a ton of NFL players and one of the best college quarterbacks of all time uh, probably the second best college quarterback of there all time like, next to Baker Mayfield there there were multiple historically good teams in that 2008 season okay uh, just real quick on the the defer all that stuff I saw some of that thing, uh, that too. And by the way, after the first quarter, I just logged out of Twitter. I was, you know what? I This is not good. And I enjoyed that. I kind of enjoyed not going on. And because I mean, I'm addicted to it. I mean, we, a lot of us are. I, you know, for my job, I use social media quite a bit. So I'm on Twitter a lot. And uh, I mean, I don't tweet every five minutes like a lot of people do. But I mean, I look through Twitter quite a bit. And you know what? After a quarter when it was such a blowout and, I was seeing comments and people always like to be kind of snarky on Twitter. That's what Twitter's for. I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, it's a Twitter can be a great place and it can be for the most part, a terrible place. But when I see stuff like that, I mean, take the ball first guy just annoys me to all get up because you think that if Oklahoma takes the ball there, I mean, what, what gives you any idea that they're still not going to go three and out? I mean, the way things started, I mean, Oklahoma takes the ball there. You think all of a sudden it's just, oh, they're going to figure it out and Alabama's defense is not going to come out and force a three and out because then you take the ball, you go three and out. Now you're behind the eight ball even more because Alabama's getting the ball to start the second half too. That's why Lincoln Riley always defers and that's the smart thing to do. You know what was great in that game? Oklahoma getting the ball to start the second half. So I, it's such a, such a ridiculous mentality to always think, oh, that what a terrible decision to not take the ball there because you know what it's such a such a, a small minded mentality because you know what Oklahoma did in the in the Rose Bowl last year they deferred and got a stop on the first drive and went down and scored and got the ball to start the second half which was great but they didn't take advantage of it to start the second half against Georgia uh, you know should they have taken the ball to start the game there I mean it it's it's ridiculous so I the 
that that annoyed me too. So I saw that take a lot. Another one of the takes I saw a lot in the first quarter that just annoys me even more than that is all the people with the snarky, oh, expand the playoff? Uh, should we just go back to two teams in the playoff now? Get out of here. Just just get out of here. That's annoying. If you want to have less meaningful football games, then go for it. Go for it. I just I turn that crap off. That's annoying to me. Uh, so I, this is me ranting about just it's, you think you're being snarky because, yeah, I know Clemson played really well against Notre Dame and, you know, Alabama's up big time. Oh, it's, let's just go back to maybe the BCS. You know what? Let's just go back to what we had before where we just have the, the media and the AP just vote on the champion. How about we do that? That's better, right? Let's go backwards. Let's go. Let's go in reverse. Nah, just I hate that crap. So I got off Twitter and it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, but again, Bama came out, punched Oklahoma in the mouth, and and Oklahoma couldn't recover, uh, did, didn't have time to recover, and um, so and you mentioned Marquise Brown. We found out that he had a pulled muscle in his foot. That didn't sound all that bad, but it must have been a pretty bad pull to to keep him still kind of kind of hobbled nearly a month after the Big Twelve championship game. I thought for sure it would have been some sort of broken something in his foot. So. Uh, clearly he was off. I mean, what did he drop about three passes in that game? Uh, just he couldn't even catch the ball. I'm not sure if he even had hands. So I feel bad for him because Marquise Brown's a great guy, great teammate, great player. And he just and he even said it after the game. He he just he felt so bad. And, you know, it, I don't know. It just it wasn't his night. Yeah, he was very clearly not himself. And I mean, who knows if if him being fully healthy would have changed it that much. I mean, they and they scored on their they effectively scored on their last six possessions so i the honestly going against alabama i don't i don't think you can ask for more than that and they they scored on 60% of their possessions last night um and it was it, it was a weird game both teams effectively only had 10 possessions so um kind of that narrative i think people were talking about would would alabama try to control the clock and uh, kind of a lot of us were saying, please do try to do that. But I, I, they did end up doing that. But I think a lot of that had to do with just their them getting out to a twenty-eight to nothing. Lead. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm coming away with it mostly just being I- impressed with Alabama. I, there, there was just, uh, there was nothing they could really do. And if OU was going to win that game, they absolutely needed the defense to make a play at, at some point in time, and it just never happened. I, um. I sort of, I, I sort of started getting just a really bad feel for it when uh, the the fumble w- was overturned on the first drive of the game, which you know correctly was he he was down, but uh, of course that just that would have been such a huge play there I think on the very first drive of the game and it just didn't come through and um, from there I think it was just it, it was just a futile attempt OU was not really going to get any stops and Nick Saban even said it after the game he said you know when we did get stopped it was it was us stopping us. And he was he was basically right. It was mostly just penalties on, on the on the two drives Alabama had to punt. So, um, lead you noticed during the game too. I, I I thought honestly this game felt like a typical like OU going up against the Big Twelve game. That's what it felt like to me. But just o, o, OU was like the hapless Big Twelve opponent, and Alabama was OU. Oh oh, interesting. That's what this game felt like. Huh? Yeah, like Oklahoma played the role of like. Uh a West Virginia yeah. in a way, you know, just with a, a you know, really good offense, but but yeah, like Oklahoma sometimes actually weirdly has a better defense than the other Big 12 team, you know, in weird random games. I I guess it's just 
I'm mostly just talking about it seemed like um, whatever Alabama schemed and whatever they were trying to do on every single play was there for them. It seemed like Tua Tua never went off his first read, and it was always completely open. Um, Just stuff like that I I thought was pretty disappointing. And there was uh, OU just just never really offered any sort of resistance whatsoever to Alabama's offense at all. Mm -mm. And speaking of Tua, he was perfectly fine, as we expected. Oh, 100% Uh, healthy, yeah. And he was he was not the Tua from the SEC title game. I mean, he made he made some incredible throws. He dropped like some we've dimes. seen on tape all season long, watching back. And that was the worst case scenario: was that Tua is going to just come out there and just drop some dimes. And you know what? Outside of Oklahoma, just not being able to figure out the most basic RPO of all RPOs, just the quick slant game, because that is, again, that's the most basic RPO aside from handing the ball off in an RPO against a, a box with, you know, only five or six guys, I guess five guys. I mean, Oklahoma could not figure out the RPO game. Uh, aside from that, I thought the the coverage for the most part down the field, especially on some of the big, big pass plays was pretty good. I, I mean, Trey was, Brown, they didn't, I, they didn't get burned once in this game. I, I mean, I can remember one throw, one poor throw by Tua, and it was a deep shot he took. And I think it might have been on the the first time Alabama punted, which was I think in the second quarter. I it remember was on like first, on first down, down. He overthrew it to Rugs. Uh, yeah, and I was, and you know, and when that happens, it's like you hope that oh, hopefully there's a a safety out there that could step in there and make the play. But yeah, I was like, I mean, he what was he like twenty four of twenty seven? I mean, it was just it was, was a clinic. There were two throws that he made to Jerry Judy that were just were so elite that um, I, it's hard to even describe it. One of them was on was in the first quarter. I think it was in the drive where Alabama was up fourteen to nothing. It was on third and long, and he he fit it just in a tight window between was it Mo, was it Motley and then it was Barnes coming over the top. Um, and actually, I thought I, I thought that was a play in which if the safety had a little bit more range and athleticism, I thought that was a play that probably. They, they could have picked that ball off. But um, having that been said, the throw could not have been any more perfect to Judy on that. And then, of course, the one in the second half, um, the one, uh, the catch that they ended up overturning, that was that was probably his best throw of the night. That was an insane throw. Yeah, that throw and then the first or second touchdown pass where Trey oh, Brown was yeah. defending was uh, that wasn't his better throws. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, Alabama was going to win the game. They were by far the better team. But that that wasn't a catch. That was not a catch. Well, the thing is with college football, it's different than the NFL with the catch rule. That one that got overturned, I thought that was a catch. Because if you're, if you're co- going down football, to the ground, you still have to survive the ground, and he didn't in that instance. On the touchdown? Yeah, that was like that was the that was the no, point yeah, on the touchdown. No, he didn't. The ball the the ball was loose when he hit the ground. He he didn't secure it. Well, which one, the touchdown or the one down the sideline? On the touchdown, the one where they went up fourteen to nothing. I don't remember the ball ever getting out of the guy's hand, and any of these. I mean, they always it's survive the ground. No, he just didn't secure it, Lee. See, this is this is where people get like obtusely confused with it. You have to secure the catch. If the ball is if the ball is moving around, it's not secure. He was on the ground, and the ball was moving. Therefore, it was not a catch. Like th- this was. I, I don't know. This is this is where I, was, the, I mean. This is where the catch, NFL. They, this is where the NFL has. This is where the NFL has has really just stubbornly confused everybody with what a catch is, and it's 
It's it's frustrating yeah, but no, but, to me, but but the college, college football hasn't changed anything, and they had the guy, the referee guy in the booth. Every single time the, that the ref anal, uh, analyst they had in the booth, every time he had thoughts on a on a replay review, he was right. So I mean, clearly it's it's pretty cut and the, dry the in ref, college. The ref in the booth said he thought that that was an incomplete pass, the no, touchdown. The, no, he didn't. All right, go back and watch it. No, I I remember I was talking with the guys at work because I was at work during the game and we were at, late in the game. We we're like, man, this guy's been right on everything. Is this guy the guy that's actually making all the calls in the field? No, it's just he he said that that one play that was overturned should have been incomplete, and then he said that touchdown. That he said, yeah, that's a touchdown because it was. I mean, that, I, so I disagree. Anyway. I did. I didn't. You. Yeah. I, this is where I. I, I really think people are just are really confused as to what it catches, and it's because of the NFL. But I agree with that. It just I can't go any further on this because I can't one hundred percent remember what the play looked like, and I don't feel like looking it up right now. And really, this is probably re- incredibly boring. Probably, uh, and it, and it, it doesn't so. matter. It doesn't matter either. I mean, they Alabama generally was able to score whenever they wanted, and that I mean, I, I thought it was pretty clear as. As soon as it was clear that Tua was not off, that he was his regular self, that game was over. And that's that's unfortunate, but that's just the truth. I, I mean, as soon as... Uh, sure, but as soon as Oklahoma couldn't stay within two possessions, the game was over. That's kind of the, the way I looked at it. The Oklahoma defense, let's talk about that. And, and the reason they wouldn't be able to stay, you know, it was because they weren't stopping Alabama. They they needed Tua to be off with his accuracy, and he just most certainly was not. Well, yeah, that would have helped, but also the offense couldn't afford to go multiple possessions without scoring. Yeah, and but if, if we're being... Happened. Yeah, well, sure. If we're being realistic, though, I mean, OU was going to get stopped you know, at least three times in the game, and, and they were. It just so happened, it all kind of happened in succession in the first quarter. It was, uh, I, I don't know, this is where I, I thought the offense performed about exact, I mean, for 10 possessions, performed very, very well. Yeah, so no, the I, offense, I, well, for seven possessions, I mean, the first three possessions were were not good. I said, I, well, they got 10 possessions in the game. That's what I mean. Oh. They, they, they got 10 possessions and they scored 34 on Alabama. That, that is very good. I know. Yeah, I'm not, the offense was fine. That's the thing. I mean, you just, you have to have a defense that can help out know, that's, the offense. That, that's why. That's what I'm trying to say. As soon as Tua was not off, and once that was obvious, the game was over because OU's defense, OU's defense needed to make a play in order to win this game. Probably okay, multiple plays. Yeah, the plays. Oklahoma's defense. And but you can't expect Tua to be off though. So what you're basically saying is that the fact that Oklahoma got two stops is actually pretty impressive. Then that's I, basically I, what you're saying. Yes, I know you can't expect him to be off, but also Georgia didn't expect him to be so dreadful against them, and he was. So I. That 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 was basically what OU was hoping for if they were going to win the game. I, well, thought, I think you got to hope that your your defense can get, you know, more than two stops, even against a elite Tua. I, I understand that. What I'm trying to say is Oklahoma's offense performed as well as they could have if they were going to win the game. The okay, defense yeah, and the the, the, you, the defense needed to clear. take it from there. Okay. Yeah, I know, but what you're making it sound like though is that once Tua was not hobbled, that Alabama was going to score every single possession and why they pretty much almost did you have to expect your defense to try or at least get one or two stops whenever the offense does not score and effectively the I keep saying the word effectively basically Oklahoma's defense got only one stop the entire night when it actually needed a stop and that was when Oklahoma was down 31 to 13 in the third quarter and Oklahoma got that stop gave the ball back to the offense went down and that 
led to the biggest play of the game when Kyler made a great play, stepped up in the pocket, and dropped a dime to Charleston Rambo on a huge touchdown catch when he got behind this Alabama secondary to cut the lead to 31-20. to Great play. Fantastic play if you want to talk about that for now. And, and that was the first series, too, where Marquise Brown was on the bench. They pulled Marquise Brown from the game. Looked like Rambo came in for him, and Rambo made a play. He made a huge play as the, the guy that stretched the defense. And for the first time all night, the Alabama defense got stretched in the back end, and a player from Oklahoma got behind him, which was nice to see. And Kyler Murray, he was off. He was off a lot of the night throwing the football, but not on that throw. That might have been uh, – Tua made some great throws, and I would probably argue that, yeah, Tua's one or two great throws were slightly better, but that throw by Kyler Murray was incredible. Yeah, I thought that was probably the best play of the game made by a quarterback was the long was the long pass to Rambo. That was that was awesome. That was a flick on that was like a flick of the wrist too, and Murray just just dropped it in the bucket. That, that was that was beautiful. Um, and at that point, hey, I mean, it was like you know what? I mean, Oklahoma was down twenty eight to nothing, and okay, like yeah. After that, I was thinking. Cool. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is where if OU's defense is going to make a play, this is where it's going to be. Uh, that's that's sort of what I started to think, and they and they just they weren't able to. As soon as Alabama went down and scored easily, then I I just sort of relaxed and was like, <laughs> okay, no 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 need to get too excited the rest of the way. But um, I think what made it even worse too, and I'm going to double check this right now. Thirty-one to twenty, big play, Murray to Rambo, and I'm pretty sure on the kickoff was that dumb penalty by Alabama, so the Bama was actually back inside their own 15-yard line on that drive. Yep. Yep, because, yeah, I was starting to th- – yeah, they had the – they had, like, a, the illegal block in the back. Or, no, they had a personal foul. Uh, yeah, the cheap shot on TJ Pleasure on that kickoff. And I was thinking, okay, this is where – I was like – so it was like – in my head I was thinking, okay, so Alabama punched OU in the mouth, and typically other teams just sort of curl in the fetal position and go away. But clearly OU hasn't. And I was thinking, okay, maybe this is something they're not used to. Uh, but yeah, then they just they drove it down the field easily after that, um, and I just yeah, I, I after it happened, I just started to feel foolish for even having the hope that they could stop them. That that's basically how I felt the entire night. I felt I I felt just foolish the entire time for um, for even thinking they had a chance, and that's sad. But I, I think w- kind of where I was coming from is I just uh, you know Kyler Murray had had gotten me to believe that um, that he just kind of wouldn't let them lose and. Man, by God, he tried. He tried his best. He tried his best, and and like we've seen a couple times this year against these these tough teams in big moments, he started slow. And when you go up against a defense like that and an offense like that, you just you can't afford that. Yeah, and I think in I, I, if we like, could have somehow real quick, if we could have somehow had Kyler Murray's abilities, but also but thrown Baker Mayfield's head on him with that experience and kind of what he knows, I think that would have been really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Cause I thought that was that, that certainly was a, a factor in the first quarterly. I think if, if, uh, if Lincoln Riley had the ability of hindsight in the situation, going back to the first quarter, I think on those first few drives, I think his adjustment would be to, uh, to early on force the ball to CD lamb, I think would probably be what he would, he would rather do, uh, in the first quarter there because, um, you you know, 
during that game, Lee, I think I, I had the thought numerous times that, you know, there's just there's just a lot of guys here for OU that frankly it looks like they don't even really belong on the same field with Alabama. And that's mostly with the defense. Um, but that the same cannot be said about CeeDee Lamb. He belongs. He is a stud. Um, and he he he, I, he was beating Patrick Sertan all game long. Sertan had no chance against CD. And that was really great to see. I, I wish they would have gone to CD more early on when, when they were struggling to move the ball. Eight catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown for CD. And just to be fair, there were two or three plays where Lamb obviously pushed off to get separation that were not called. But you know what? I think it's almost like that game was called – I don't. It was it? It probably wasn't. It obviously wasn't an SEC or Big Twelve crew. But they kind of. But they kind of called that. Okay, so they kind of called that game probably like an SEC game is normally called. There wasn't all the ridiculous Big Twelve PIs that we always see, where they just they call they throw pass. And granted, we usually see it against Oklahoma and Oklahoma's defensive backs look like they're lost and they kind of bring it on themselves. But they let everybody play. I don't know. Was there was there a pass interference penalty called all night? I don't remember. I, I don't one. remember one. They they definitely on um, on OU's on OU's last scoring drive of the game they missed a blatant one on Sertan against CD Lamb. Um, it was funny actually. I, I was laughing. I was like, huh. He kind of like Sertan on that looked like like Motley and like one of Oklahoma and Jordan and Thomas like of the last like, few years. Like yeah, flailed his body. Out, yeah, like, like couldn't find the ball. D- terrible technique. And in my head, I was like, huh. Maybe it's because. Uh, He's going against like, uh, you know, a future pro at receiver and and at quarterback. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's, so it, I, it didn't I did matter. Want to point they, that out. It didn't matter. Still, yeah. I, yeah, CD scored on that drive anyway. Later on, it didn't matter. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> just, it was just it was fun to watch him. You know, I was thinking last night because uh, we, of course, we record this on Sundays. I kind of got some flashbacks to the 08 title game between OU and Florida when Jermaine Gresham just had a monster game and just thought this guy's a future pro just dominating this Florida defense and that's kind of the I kind of got those vibes watching CD in that game just just having a great game looking like he was one of the best players on the field dominating a really good secondary and he's a future pro that's kind of did you I don't know if you had any of those thoughts as well yeah no that's what I thought um my thought watching CD during that game was, yeah, he he belongs uh, right with all of these future first round guys that Alabama has is basically what I thought. Um, and there's and also, I, I, I think I think Oklahoma still kind of has a long way to go to to be as talented uh, to get to that point where they can win a national championship with the talent. Uh, CD Lamb is not the problem in that he is he's there. He's a guy. He he's the type of guy that you need to win a national championship. He's that good. And there was never more apparent to how ineffective and non-explosive Marquise Brown was in that game until I saw I can't remember if it was second quarter or even third quarter when they kind of threw a little bit of a tunnel screen to Lamb and he just had a burst and anytime he caught the ball in space I mean because CeeDee Lamb's not known as a burner but he, he ain't slow and just seeing him and his burst and his, his explosiveness compared to I guess Marquise never even had a catch so we, just, we never got a chance to really see him even run with the ball but it just it looked like night and day, and you could just tell that there was just something off with Marquise Brown. And I know um, there was comments after the game where Lincoln Riley, I think even this morning on Sunday, he had another media availability saying that Brown, he didn't do anything in Norman leading up to the game. He wasn't able to practice, and his conditioning was a problem, and that was a factor. 
And just, uh, I mean, it was a hot, muggy night. I know in Florida, and you always hear about in the NFL when teams go to Miami to play the Dolphins in December and November, and they're used to the cold weather, that teams get tired and they get gassed. And that seemed to be a factor for both teams, kind of honestly. Uh, yeah, at, Bama's at defense was gassed in the second half. So just, it was such a, I mean, when, granted, again, Oklahoma, as much as I want to take, as much as I want to take stuff away from Alabama, you can't because I mean that's that's an incredible team. They're great, and even if let's say one or two of their best skill guys got injured, they'd have somebody else to step up and, and be fine. And Oklahoma had its quarterback. Kyler Murray was fine; he was healthy, so it's not like Oklahoma was down its quarterback. Sure, Oklahoma was down its best running back for the entire year. Would Rodney Anderson would helped in that game? Of course he would have. Rodney Anderson's a future NFL player. Would having a healthy Marquise Brown have helped? Sure. Marquise Brown's probably a future NFL player. He's going to get healthy and he's going to get drafted into the NFL. He's going to play. Uh, so would it have been nice to have those guys on the team? Of course it would have been nice to have him against Alabama. But if if Bama was down Jerry Judy and if Bama was down one of the Harris running backs or even Josh Jacobs, Alabama would have had players that would have stepped up and still would have played very well against Oklahoma and the result probably would not have been different so you can't use that as a uh, gosh if Oklahoma would have had their guys they could have won that game maybe but if Al you play that same game flip it around for Alabama Alabama would have had the depth to to make it work do you agree yeah I mean Alabama is just a lot better across the board and so really Lee what my takeaway from this game is is that I um and I think I sort of I, I was texting back and forth with you last night um I, I think this game is, is really going to help me enjoy college football more in the future from here on out because I think this, is, this game was obviously just a great measuring stick of where OU is. And I think it's just, you know, they got a long ways to go. They, they got to get better players on the defensive side of the ball. And um, they, they, they need to inject more talent all throughout that roster because if, if that's the team that they're going to have to beat to win a national title, they got their work cut out for them. Um, and so I, I just I think it's smart just to kind of just sit back, enjoy watching Lincoln Riley build the program and hope that he can that he can get the program to its ceiling because I, I just that team that I saw last night, Lee, if they play well, that team's unbeatable. It makes me wonder, and I just throw this theory out there. You say they need to get better players on defense, and sure, everybody needs to get better players on defense, but could these same exact players on defense, let's say if the Oklahoma had the same exact guys on defense, but let's say uh, John Haycock was a defensive coordinator because he's been able to get everything out of his Iowa State players who aren't, aren't as good as Oklahoma's players. And you know what? Uh, I was watching that. What, what bowl game? I can't even, Alamo Bowl. Is that what Iowa State played? Texas Tech? I think Alamo. Was that? No. Was that you the know, Alamo Bowl? Yeah, it was, they played Washington State in the Alamo Bowl. Gosh. I said Texas Tech probably because – my subconscious was thinking Mike Leach and all the way back when he was the Texas Tech coach. So they play Washington State, and I was, you know, Greg Eisworth, that freshman safety for Iowa State, really good player, really good player. Does he, if he goes to Oklahoma, is he as effective on the Sooners? Probably no. not. I, I mean, yeah, no. I, I'm not sure about any of this. I, this is not to say I, I think OU does have some good, talented athletes on their on their defense, and they, yes, they obviously need a reworking of the scheme, the philosophy, and everything. For instance, um, and yeah, I mean this is going to be dumb. I don't want to single out any one player in the defense, but for, uh, Kenneth Murray is not a middle linebacker. For instance, he just isn't. So can can a new defensive coordinator come in and find like a spot for him where he can be his most effective? Stuff like that. 
Um, uh, Lee, yesterday, I thought by far the best player on the defense was Caleb Kelly. He has struggled learning that inside position, but he is your most talented linebacker. What do you do with him? Um, these are things that a, that a new defensive coordinator is going to have to work out. Um, so there is some stuff there. Neville Gallimore, maybe he'll be back next year. I don't know. I thought, I thought uh, he, he was pretty good, honestly, last night. He was, he was getting penetration in the backfield. He actually drew some penalties uh, because he was beating his man every now and then. Um, can, can a scheme change and a new philosophy change and aggressiveness, can that help him? Um, we'll see. I don't know. We got, there's a lot of guys in the secondary who got a lot of valuable experience this year. Can, can just, can a new voice in there and a new, a new way of thinking, can that help them? We're, we're going to see. And actually, you know, one of the interesting things is we're probably going to get, you know, we're, we're going to get this, this whole defensive coordinator thing is going to be resolved probably within the next week or so. So that's interesting. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of interesting things going forward. I just, they, I think you're right that they at first probably need to focus on getting as much out of the talent that they have right now. That's probably where their focus needs to be at the same time, continuing to bring in that talent. And, uh, but we're seeing that Lincoln Riley is, is building a recruiting behemoth. So, uh, presumably that's going to continue to happen. It's, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I still just think that if, if they're going to be going up against the Alabamas of the world, uh, this, they, they just got a long way to go because that Alabama team that I saw is just is so exceptional in every way that it's really hard to describe. Well, speaking of the defensive coordinator search, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be pretty quick. I'm looking at uh, credit to Jason Kersey from The Athletic. I'm looking at his reports this morning on Sunday. He says that Riley apparently said that he, he plans to wait until uh, he plans to take his time on the D.C. hire, and he also plans to wait until after hiring the new defensive coordinator to make other staff changes. He doesn't plan to, quote, clean house and start from scratch. So the next week, I don't know. I mean, he said he's going to take his time. Lincoln Riley normally is telling the truth. I mean, uh, maybe he's just being nice. Who knows? I guess I guess he could figure it out in the next week. But something tells me it's going to be probably till after. I don't know. I guess I don't know. I who knows? I mean, this is going to be our uncharted territory. Um, there hasn't been a new coordinator hire. I mean, I guess Stoops hired Riley. And Grant, I mean, you you remember that this is a lot more than me. When did Lincoln Riley get hired by Bob Stoops? Do you remember the time of year? Kind of right in the beginning of January, right around this time. Okay. Well, because I mean, they they fired Heupel after that disastrous was it Champ Sports Bowl against Clemson, and that happened. That was like a couple days after Christmas, and I just remember um, a lot of the. Uh, <laughs> this is actually funny now. A lot of the smoke was, or I know a lot of the rumors was uh, that all the fans wanted OU to hire Scott Frost away from Oregon to be their offensive coordinator, hmm. and I just remember because they were they were getting ready to play Ohio State in the national championship. Uh, but just kind of right around that time is when Riley got hired. So yeah, I think I think it was actually after the national championship game in in uh, early 2015. So yeah, like within the next within the next week or two. And that's just I, that's that's kind of what I expect. I I, th- I think in the next week or two, probably after the national title game, I think we're gonna we're gonna have the hire. That's just, that's my call. And, you know, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any inside information. I just, that's typically how these things work. They, they're going to want to get the new DC hire in there. I'm assuming before the, before the early enrollees come in, 
which is which is going to be in the middle to end of January, right? Sure. Sure. And that'll be something obviously to watch out for. That'll be the huge off-season story uh most definitely. So something that uh I texted you last night after the game and I've seen some other things that have had me soften my stance on this, but I'm not a big fan of the whole you go on social media and you see and then sidebar I hate bringing up social media because that's very few people are actually on it but for the sake of this I'm going to bring it up because I think probably a lot of Oklahoma fans probably feel this way to some extent and it's understandable because it's a human reaction the whole thought of man it's great that the guys didn't give up um you know only only lost by 11 points you know, just kind of the the things of like, well, trying to make yourself feel better. And I just I've never been a big fan of that because to me, that's just kind of like a loser mentality. Uh, but you brought something up to me that did. It's true. And uh, something that Kyler Murray also said after the game. And yeah, it's nice that Oklahoma didn't get beat by 50 and didn't give up. It really actually is nice because what we've seen in the past against Alabama teams, if they get punched in the mouth like that, they can't do anything about it, and they basically just quit. And Kyler Murray said after the game, quote, I think most teams in the league or in the whole damn country would have kind of gave up against a team like that. But as you saw, we just continued to fight and pretty damn close to winning the game. So I couldn't ask for much more out of my teammates. And you know what, Kyler Murray, he's exactly right. Because Oklahoma has an offense and has a team that – and you brought this up too to me uh, through text messages that it shows that Oklahoma's got a team with a lot of character that they really didn't give up. They truly believe that they could come back and win that game. And it showed for the final three, uh, two and a half, three ish quarters. And so I do think that is significant. So as much as I want to kind of throw cold water and get mad about the whole mentality of, Oh, I'm glad the team didn't give up, blah, blah, blah. I will acknowledge that that is significant because then you look at the other semifinal game and Notre Dame kicked a field goal against Clemson and that game was tied after a quarter so I mean that game was three to three after one and Notre Dame was in it but the difference is Notre Dame just didn't have an offense anywhere like Oklahoma and once Clemson got a couple of explosive plays it was over so I'll let you comment on that stuff so I, I'll give you credit you, you I did kind of soften my thoughts on that because of some of the things you said and what Kyler Murray said yeah, I don't know. I think it's just I, I I think it's emblematic of a really healthy program, and I just wanna I I want to go back to let's go back to 2014, Lee, when Baylor punched OU in the mouth and they folded like a cheap chair. Uh, in fact, a couple years in a row, Baylor punched them in the mouth and they folded like a cheap chair. This uh this program has got has, is light years ahead of where it was at that time from a mentality standpoint. Um, and and I think that's very significant because. Uh, yeah, the team kept fighting for for their program, for their head coach, and everyone around them. And I just think I, I'm going to take that as something that is just a positive sign for the future, um, because it is absolutely true that I, I don't. There's only I think I think there's honestly only two teams in the entire country that could have taken Alabama's best shot, like right in the chin, and still get up and make it a game. And oh, you did that. And the, other, the only other teams that can do that in the country are Clemson and Georgia. And that's where we are right now in college football. I think Clemson and Alabama are on a perch all by themselves. And then after that, it's OU and Georgia sitting right there waiting in the weeds. And um, everyone else is pretty far behind. And so that's and just kind of where we are in college football right now. And I, I'm, 
I, yeah, I, I'm glad, Lee. Like I, when you when you first texted me that last night saying that that whole mindset sort of uh, frustrates you, I said, well, I mean, I'm glad we didn't lose by 50. I, I'm glad that didn't happen. And then I brought up that Notre Dame Lee, they they took Clemson's best shot. They got punched in the mouth, and they folded. They quit. And OU didn't. So you know, I'm I, I think that's that's a step that you have to take before you're ready as a program to beat Alabama. And I think they took that step. You know, if, if, if we want to take any sort of positives from that game, there it is. They took Alabama's best shot. They got punched right in the chin, and they got up, they got up off the mat after that first quarter and outplayed Alabama for the rest of the game. Not by a lot, marginally, but that's something that they can at least hang their hat on, something that in the weight room in the offseason and when they're in preparation that these guys are going to remember, and it's really going to serve them well down the line when they're in a situation like this again, whether or not that be 2019 or 2020. Um, I, I think this game is, is probably you know going to play a part in, in their next successful story, whenever that is. Oklahoma technically did outplay Alabama for three, the final three quarters, outscoring the Tide thirty-four to twenty-four. For not by a lot, but, just they marginally but, outplayed them. But I just don't I mean, on this, but again, it did, I mean that's like Alabama fans would be like, yeah, but it was twenty-one nothing after one. You're right, and that's why the and Alabama was better. So yeah, you're, you're right. Alabama was better. They played four quarters. Alabama beat the crap out of OU in the first quarter. It's true. Uh, I will say though, just to throw it out there. Uh, it's easy to say Notre Dame quit when Clemson hit him in the mouth. I have a tough time saying that because the reason why Notre Dame, I guess you could, yeah, sure, I guess that might be fine. But the reason why Notre Dame couldn't do anything is because Notre Dame just doesn't have an offense like Oklahoma's. And that's why it's it's so interesting because Oklahoma, it knew it could come back and move the ball against Alabama. It knew the entire time leading up to the game. And I think there is something to the whole theory that some of us threw out there in the last month that – if this becomes a, a shootout and becomes like a Big 12-ish game, Oklahoma's comfortable in that setting. And that was, I think we saw that th- all these random shootout, horrible, awful games where Oklahoma could not get stops and had to outscore their opponents. In a weird way, it did kind of help in this game because Oklahoma knew that it could come back because it had done it previously this season. It did it against Texas, didn't win the game, but it came back from multiple scores against Texas. Uh, it came back down against Texas in the second quarter in the Big 12 title game, came back, won the game. So I think in a weird way, that theory of Oklahoma being comfortable in games like that ended up showing in the Orange Bowl. It's just Oklahoma was down 21 nothing in the blink of an eye. So it ended up not uh, – Oklahoma just could not overcome that. So I, that's kind of interesting to me, I think. Yeah, yeah, and um... – I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have. Any, I don't have much. Much other thoughts than that. I just. I thought uh, my main takeaway is I, I. I think Alabama is just an exceptional team. Um, this is. Uh, this is frankly the best Alabama team I've seen, and um, I. I do, I do not like moral victories. I don't at all. But I just. I. I remember. I remember OU in 2004 going up against one of the best college football teams I've ever seen, and that USC team in the Orange Bowl, and they just got freaking embarrassed. Um, and I just think we're, 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 you know, we're a far cry away from that where I think we saw, oh, you just played a team every bit the equal of that USC team. And they, they did not quit. They got up off the mat and they, they punched back. It wasn't enough, but you know, I, I think, 
I, I'm going to hang my hat on that. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This is an all-time great college football team that they just played on Saturday night. Before we get into three-word reviews, I want to bring this up because I bet there's a decent amount of OU fans and supporters out there that, and maybe all of them, and maybe they've forgotten about this, and they just, and when I bring it up, they're going to be like, oh, and they're going to want us to talk about it. I got to say, and I texted you after this happened, with 423 to play, Grant, and the score 45-34, Oklahoma just scored a touchdown, they get the penalty to back up Alabama, so they're kicking off from, what, the 50, I think. They go onside. I blew my mind that of all the players that touch that would touch the ball before it goes 10 yards was Carson Meyer, one of your senior leaders who's had a fantastic season. And you watch the replay, and I think Kirk Herbstreet and the guys pointed this out, all of the players on Alabama on that side of the field that were there to recover the ball all went to block and if Meyer would have just waited for it to go 10 yards, I think he would have been there just to jump on it and recover the onside kick. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but I just, I don't really have any other, th- I don't have any thoughts on that. It just, it sucked. I don't really know what else to say about it. Well, this is what we can do on podcasts. We can play the what if game because that's what football is all about. Well, I mean, it's always a one shot. All right, let's thing. play it. I, I think if, I think if OU gets that, they probably would have scored because OU's offense really was rolling there. Bama didn't really have a lot of hope of stopping them. Um, They probably would have scored to make it, and they would have gone for two. Who knows if they would have gotten it. And then they would have have had to try another onside kick. (laughs) I mean... So, yeah, their chances still, when you put it that way, you're right. The chances were still incredibly slim. The chances of recovering another onside kick, uh, especially after, yeah, not going to happen. So, it's just... Okay, you know what? That's a good point. You're I just right. yeah, I I just didn't think it was that consequential. When 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 Alabama scored to go up 38 to 20 after OU cut it to 11 on Rambo's long touchdown, the game was over. It, it just wasn't the ease in which Alabama went down the field just so, really just kind of calmed me down for the rest of the time. I was like, "Well, whatever. I guess we at least get to see Kyler go against this defense a few more times, but it, it was I mean, <laughs> Alabama was just toying with OU's defense. Yeah, and my one of my worst fears, I mean, there's plenty of terrible things that happened for Oklahoma, but what I, one of the things that I wanted to see happen was Oklahoma controlling the run game. And Oklahoma just really, I mean, Alabama didn't really break off. I don't remember like massive explosive run plays, but they were doing kind of what Texas was doing the first time around this year yeah. where they were always getting four, five, and even how many times, I mean, it wasn't like 10 times, but there was probably four or five instances grant where alabama looked like was kind of bottled up in the backfield and then oklahoma could not get anybody there to bring their guy down just because of talent alabama had a receiver that had a little pop pass or a running back that looked like oklahoma had them dead to rights and they couldn't get him to the ground and they'd pick up like at worst three or four yards yeah, and, and I those thought, are just so killer. And I thought every single time they actually had a guy sort of pegged behind the line of scrimmage. It was pretty much Caleb Kelly every single time. Um, the only then, one the one big tackle for loss was when he sacked Tua. Yeah, and I, yep. I thought for a second Tua was going to stiff arm Kelly off of him. <laughs> yeah, he almost did, but Kelly was like, "No, no, 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 no! I'm bigger than you. You're going down." Yeah, I, I think um, this is this is where it's. Been. I, I think I think OU's defense. I think they have a lot of really good athletes on their defense. 
and they just they they need some sort of scheme and defensive coordinator to and they they need to un, unleash their aggressiveness um and also they just got to tackle better i think is is a big deal as well so I don't know. I, I, I'm the reason obviously, Alabama is so good at tackling is because all their players on defense are just so big. Are, and, and they're so yeah, strong. They're really I mean, good. That's easy, oh. It's easier to tackle when you're big and strong. Hey, can we... Uh, oh, wow. An interesting thing just popped up. Mark Mark Richt is retiring at Miami. What? Interesting. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't matter. We can talk about that for months and months to come before the season. But um, huh. I, 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 I want to say because... Oklahoma's running backs, you know, didn't really have a huge role in this game. And it's actually sort of what I predicted. I thought if they were going to run the ball, a lot of it was going to be Murray, which ended up being the case. Um, but can we give it up to Kennedy Brooks, Lee? I thought every time he touched the ball in this game, he looked like he belonged on the same field with Alabama. Oh, yeah. There was one of the drives. I can't in the first half when one of Oklahoma's scoring drives where it was all him. I mean, the big uh, either third or fourth down conversion on the swing pass where he was able to break like avoid Mac Wilson that was a great play and, and I mean just and also one of the plays where he was like going to be brought down by like three or four guys and broke out and got nine I mean the dude's a great player yeah I'm really excited after that game you know for for the rest of his career to be honest because he he absolutely belonged on the same field with Alabama and I think that's you know there's something to be said about that I thought uh, I thought Trey Sermon looked slow um not very yeah. decisive he struggled to get upfield um, yeah, his style of running just did not work, and that's I think I mentioned in passing in our last preview when you talk about and you were talking about the offense between Oklahoma and Georgia, and Oklahoma's got a better offense, which is true. But the difference is that Georgia has those blue chippers in the backfield, and when you watch those guys like Holyfield and uh, Swift in that SEC title game, there's the explosiveness with which they ran the football. One of the touchdown runs early in that game was just all NFL running back. Uh, I think it was Swift where he was able to cut inside and break like an arm tackle and score. I mean, that was just that was great. And Kennedy Brooks had a nice game when he had the ball. But yeah, Trey Sermon just he's a really nice running back. It's just he's not that type of player like, you know, Holyfield and Swift was. And that was that was definitely a difference where Oklahoma only had one running back that could could make some plays and not two. Trey Sermon is a guy who is just for for playing in the Big 12 is just is a very valuable player for OU. I don't know outside of pass protection if he is insanely valuable against a team like Alabama. But in the Big 12, they, they need Trey Sermon. Absolutely. So I'm glad he's on the team. Um, but, I, I yeah, his style I didn't think was that, you know, was that compatible with playing against a defense like Alabama. And that's okay. I, I think um, he's, he's probably best utilized as a change of pace guy to someone like Rodney Anderson. Um, I thought that was his best role. Um, but we'll see going forward. We we still got two two years left with Trey Sermon, and this is a guy who's who's going to probably maybe one. Ah, uh, you think he's going to go to the NFL? He has a good year. I mean, he might. I yeah. mean, he's a running back. You don't want to get a whole lot of tread in those tires. I mean, yeah, if, that's a good point. And but you know, hey, this is <laughs> Trey Sermon's going to probably end up being one of the the leading all time rushers at OU. So um, yeah, I mean, if he stays four years, absolutely. Let's get into four. Uh, four. Let's get into three word reviews for the final time this year. We went. To Twitter, we went on our Facebook page. We asked you for our, your three-word reviews. I put out two separate ones last night, one on Twitter, one on Facebook, because I was kind of just – my mind was going a million miles an hour, and I just had a bunch of different thoughts. My two three-word reviews on Twitter, I put, Alabama is good. Simple enough. And then on Twitter – or I'm sorry, on Facebook, I went with 
which I have my Facebook page up. Not anymore. I got to bring it back up. I went with coulda, woulda, shoulda. Basically, because it just seemed like Oklahoma had chances. Classic, you know, you had chances, but didn't take advantage of all of them, and that's why you lost the game. Grant, do you have a three-word review for us? I do. It's quick and to the point, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Roll Tide, roll. I just, I, I, that's my main takeaway from the game is just how exceptionally good Alabama is. And there's just nothing you can do about it. So my, my hats are off. That's just a really good team. Mm-hmm. Let's get to your all's three-word reviews. Luke on Twitter. Luke, I work with him. Can't start slow. And then in parentheses, he puts against elite teams. Dylan, can't cover slants. Yeah, and I know Kirk Herbstreet harped on that quite a bit during the broadcast. We mentioned it a little bit on this podcast. This, you know, I didn't go back and rewatch the game. I, I don't know when or if I'm going to do it. I was really excited to go back for whatever reason to kind of watch the Georgia game back. I don't know why, I guess, looking back that I was so excited just because I, I think Oklahoma had so many – they just they missed like some very small chances to win that game. This one, I just – I don't know if I want to go back and really watch this one again. And, and yeah, the, the RPO game just really, really hurt Oklahoma. And it started on the first play of the game. Yeah, the only, the only thing I would be interested to go back and watch is just how um, – I, I thought kind of after the first quarter, I thought Alabama's pass rush was pretty much neutralized – and the only thing I'd be interested in seeing is is basically how they dealt with Quinn and Williams um, over the course of the game. I, I I'm assuming that they they won some battles against him because um, outside of the I mean outside of the two sacks on the first series, Kyler effectively didn't get sacked the rest of the game. I know there was the one in the fourth quarter where they ruled him down, but he he wasn't down. Um, but yeah, other than that, I thought, you know, Kyler pretty much kept clean and I guess Quinn and Williams got one big, big hit on him, but Kyler got rid of the ball before that happened. Yeah. If that was the NFL, that would have been a rough yeah, in the passer. That's what penalty. I was thinking. Yeah. That would have been a, yeah. And like Quinn and Williams would have been ejected. <laughs> Just, it, it, it was the whole, like the thing that people hate this year with the driving the quarterback into the ground or whatever, whatever that new rule is where you can't. I know it hasn't been called a whole, as much lately, but it was kind of called early in the year. So, yeah, that would have definitely covered that. Um, also, too, I'd be interested to go back and watch closely. I saw some Alabama fan kind of snipe on social media earlier today that, uh, oh, would, will Clemson be allowed to hold Alabama the entire game like Oklahoma did? So, I, I you know what, I, since I didn't rewatch the game, I can't decide, you know, decisively say you're an idiot. Because you know, maybe if I went back and watched, maybe Oklahoma is holding all game. I, I mean, I doubt it because Oklahoma's got the best offensive line in college football. But I suppose you know what? I, I didn't have the proper information to, to counteract that. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that either. Do, do you think Oklahoma was just holding the crap out of Alabama for the final three quarters in that game? Grant? The other team, the other team is holding, and my team isn't. Guy is the worst. Yeah. So yes, that guy's a moron. Uh, so. Back to the three-word reviews. Jared, lack of talent. Michael, spotted them 28. Ben, pretty to the point here, could have played better. <laughs> ben has another one. This is kind of interesting. Ben, always a bridesmaid. So Oklahoma's, they get there, but never on top. Uh, Fossil Man on Twitter, defense, defense, defense. Dylan's got a couple. Kind of interesting. Uh, this one's four words, so this doesn't fit the three-word criteria. 
O-line lost the battle. In the first quarter, yes, but over the, the, the entirety of the game, I'd say that's not entirely accurate. Dylan also then says, Kyler confirmed Heisman. Yeah, I mean, Kyler, it doesn't matter. I mean, Kyler should have won the Heisman. He had a better year. I mean, Tua, I mean, you want to look at the stat. Yeah, I mean, Tua outplayed Kyler. He had, Tua had a great game. Ky- he was, yeah, what? Kyler would, would freaking eviscerate OU's defense. Yeah. So, like, so, I, mean, and, and, I mean, and so did Tua. So, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it's kind of not fair. I mean, Tua's going up against a garbage defense. So, it, of course, he was going to have a great game. And he, he did exactly what he should have done against Oklahoma's defense. He tore it apart. Um, Lee. There are, uh, first of all, nobody, no quarterback has ever run for 100 yards against Nick Saban's defense, except for Kyler Murray. He's the first person to ever do it. And I can't remember exactly what the stat was. I think it was um, quarterbacks who have had over 300 yards passing and over 60 yards rushing against the Nick Saban defense. There's three of them. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, and Kyler Murray. That's it. I'm, su- I'm surprised uh, that... Deshaun Watson's not one of them, but oh, I I'm sorry. When- oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Johnny Manziel actually was not. It was, Deshaun Watson was the other one. It was Cam, Deshaun Watson, and Kyler Murray. What was the rushing total for that? Over 60 yards rushing. Over 300 yards passing and over 60 yards rushing. So I, think I don't in think one of those Clemson games. I don't think Deshaun Watson ran for 60. He did. Uh, he did again in uh, the national championship game. They lost. Okay, yeah, because I think the game they won, he didn't. Because I was looking at those box scores earlier when I was doing my yeah. opening take, he, trying to find he threw all that stuff. He threw for over four hundred in the game they won, I think. Um, and but, what's the difference between all of those guys that you mentioned? All those quarterbacks are obviously elite players. I mean, Manziel was an elite college player, and the other two are pretty, are really good NFL players. But they all, they had defenses that could back them up. They had defense. I mean, A and M didn't have the didn't have a Clemson defense or didn't have an Auburn defense back then. But A and M had a, had a good defense. I mean. It was eh, it was okay. It, it was it, it was it was it was good. It was a good defense. It wasn't as bad as Oklahoma's defense. I mean, it wasn't like Clemson or Auburn. But it, was it was like probably, right in the middle. It was like in the middle. No, it was like a no. It was I. I have to go back and look. But there was a was lot it? of talent on that defense. I think, like Miles well, Garrett. Yeah, was I, on I that just defense. I just know when I covered. No, 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 he wasn't. Are you he wasn't sure? There yet. Yeah, his first year was. Manziel was gone in Miles Garrett's first year. Okay, it was in it was in 2014, I believe, because my my first year when I went to cover A and M was t- the tail end of 2014, and that was the Kenny Hill year where he was getting all his Heisman hype after the first oh, game. Oh yeah, and then, I, and then Kyle Allen ended up coming in late. In I'm the just season. saying, Lee, that that um that that first Texas A and M SEC team, that team was really talented. They had a lot of NFL yeah, players yeah. on that team. And that was uh, man who was the I'm blanking on the coach. He he was a good recruiter, great offensive line recruiter. Why can I not think of his someone? name? Someone? No, or, uh, no. Um, uh, Sherman. For someone. Sherman. Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. Those they are had, Sherman's guys. Yeah, they had two. They had two top five picks on the offensive line. On that line, they had Mike Evans and Johnny Manziel. Um, I just don't know about the defense. I mean, I know the when I was there covering Texas A&M for a couple of years. And I think Mark Snyder was their defensive coordinator, and they ended up getting fired. And John Chavis came in. I mean, they they were pretty bad on defense. Uh, I mean, not again, not as bad as what we've seen the last year and two for Oklahoma. It was still better than that, but, but it, yeah, it let's, wasn't very good. But no, uh, like Deshaun Watson had had an elite defense every time he faced Alabama. Yes. Um, Cam Newton did not have an elite defense, but it was he an opportunistic had, defense. But he had the best defensive player in the country on his team, and he went against an Alabama team that was running a pro-style offense. That's right. 
Yeah, and I'm blanking on that. Nick that Fairley. tackle they had Fairley. Yeah, Nick, he was really yeah, good. Yeah, and Nick Fairley, um, a lot of people, Nick Fairley basically single-handedly won them the national championship that year too. Had one of the had one of the most dominant defensive games ever in the national title against Oregon. Yeah, I'll be curious to see just real quick. I, I mean, I whatever. No, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's go back to three word reviews. But maybe later in the podcast, we'll bring it on. Uh, Dylan CB's lack physicality. Nathan almost had it. Gonzo strange love. Riley DC NFL. I mean, Riley's not going to the NFL anytime soon, guys. No, 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 he's not. He is. He's a even college said, coach. Even said either after the game or or Sunday that uh, he's he's even hungrier now to have success at Oklahoma yeah. after this game. Hey, yeah, let's uh, rejoice, everybody. Lincoln Riley wants to win a national title. That's his number one goal. And if you're if you're questioning that, go and read his his quotes from this morning's availability. Well, and even after the game, he said that in the next few years we're going to be holding one of those skinny trophies i mean that was the quote of the night from lincoln riley after the game the only thing i would question is that you know i having that sort of mindset that's good that's that's your ultimate goal but uh building a program is that what you need to focus on because i knowing what i know about nick saban and his process and what they do like i I think they legitimately don't even care about the score of games they just care about individually how they can get better like on every single play and I think that's like the mantra that they always have. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that other teams can't do it. You know, Dabo Sweeney, that was his all mantra of at Clemson was how much they wanted to win a national title. And he's built that program up to that level. So um, I don't know. I, I just I, I think Lincoln Riley is here to stay for now. This this is a guy who I mean, he, he really loves recruiting for God's sakes. He's not going to the NFL right now. Yeah, he does. And the last Twitter Three-word review is from Dakota. He says, Bama is okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a little facetious. Let's go over to Facebook for some final three-word reviews. Trey, erase first quarter. Boy, I like that one. Warren, defensive help wanted. <laughs> uh, Dakota, proud of finish. Dakota saying that he's proud that Oklahoma didn't just give up after they were down by 28 and kept fighting. And I am too. I, I seriously am too because, as I said, I a vast like ninety nine percent of the teams in college football would have been completely done after they were down twenty one to nothing. Would have been done, and that's what that's Alabama. Ninety nine percent of the teams don't have an offense like Oklahoma, I, and that's why exactly Oklahoma is that's so why unique. that's why they were there though. There, I know. I mean, I know. OU is is absolutely amongst the elite of the elite in college football right now, which was not the case in the earlier parts of this decade. So I think they are where they're... I mean, the fact that they've done all of this without really a functioning defense, I think is really, really impressive. They just need to take that next step. Wes, spot them four. Obviously, four touchdowns. Uh, more from Dakota. He says, tired of Bama. <laughs> you, you and me both. Caleb, I like Caleb's. How about Rambo? How about Charleston Rambo? Yeah, that was actually that was the first thing Lee that made me think. Uh, well, I this wasn't the first thing, but it was the it was the first time like all night I sort of thought this after watching Rambo. I was like, my main takeaway was, yeah, man, Hollywood really isn't healthy because like just mm-hmm. to see his, just like Ram, like Rambo looked fast on that play, like he he burned the safety on that one. So 
Um, and they weren't, I'm sure they weren't expecting it because, I mean, Charleston no. Rambo was a guy. I mean, they didn't expect. So, I mean, that, that was good. I mean, we were kind of wondering who would take that role if, if Brown wasn't healthy. And we, I, I kind of thought maybe Lee Morris because we always hear about how fast he is. But, you know, it was Rambo in the Big 12 title game when, when um, Brown went out and it was Rambo for that play. So good on him. Let's see. I, I have one I want to leave for the end. Benjamin, another disappointing bowl. That's true. Caleb says deny next Heisman. I don't don't know what that. He's saying he's saying you know next time they win the Heisman, don't like just don't accept it because they lose in the bowl oh. game anyway. That's what he's saying. Oh, okay. I'm glad. Okay, that's okay. That's yeah. yeah okay. Um, and the last one is my favorite. Honestly, this is really good. And I think this is exactly what Miranda's going for. Miranda goes, I love lamb. By far the best one. <laughs> my hats my hats are off to you, Miranda. And uh, kudos to Trey, hat tip to Trey, because he followed it up with a comment with the gift from Anchorman. And this is exactly what Miranda's playing off of, the I love lamp. And that's great. That was a that is a great headline. That is that is just that great is three word review. Let's pack it up. We should probably just retire this segment for now on. Miranda, very well done. That, and then also uh, everything with that, great. And uh, I Anchorman, agree. Fantastic I, movie. I also love Lamb. He's a guy. <laughs> he he's a guy who I think is you know is probably going to be the focal point of the offense next year if if Marquise Brown doesn't come back. Well, I think Marquise Brown can't come back. He's done. No, he's not. I he's mean, a redshirt junior. He was a junior college transfer, and you're a JUCO transfer. He you only played two years. He only played one year at JUCO. Oh. I guess he I didn't was, do my research on that one. He was a sophomore last year. Hmm. Are you 100% sure? Positive. They were asking him about the NFL last night after the game, and he said he's not thinking about it. He just wants to get healthy and talk to his family about it. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. Junior. Oh, I went through this whole entire year thinking that Marquise Brown was done after this season. Hmm. I, I mean, I, th- I think he will. I think he's almost certainly going to the NFL. But. Yeah, his stock is, even after... I mean, he's, he was injured, so, I mean, his stocks would be pretty high. Good three-word reviews, everybody. Again, that was a great one to end on. I have a couple other th- other just kind of all-encompassing thoughts. I'm not sure if Grant even cares to talk about, but I just because this is an Oklahoma podcast and I kind of want to be salty a bit. Ah, are we going to go into just the SEC crap? You know, I yeah, you can say your piece, but I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in, in picking this fight anymore. It's just... It bugs me, but yeah, you can say your piece. I just don't understand the mentality of other SEC fan bases outside of Alabama who, when they watch games like the Orange Bowl, and they're not Alabama fans, they want to just pump up and say, SEC, that's, it's just it's the best. It's the best. When in actuality... You look at the numbers, you look at history, the last 20 years of the BCS and college football playoff, it's just, it's basically Alabama. It's almost like Alabama. I wish Alabama was the independent team in college football and not Notre Dame. I wish Alabama was the team that didn't have a conference. So the SEC would legitimately be basically just like everybody else the last 20 years with national titles that did not involve Nick Saban. Because you go, the last 20 years since they did the BCS and the college football playoff, there's been 20 national champs. There's going to be 21 after next week. 
11 of them have been from the SEC. So it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, that's more than 50% it's the SEC. But you know what? Six of those 11 have been Nick Saban national titles, and two of them were Urban Meyer at Florida, who was the second best coach. And then Urban Meyer also won one at Ohio State. You take away Nick Saban, that's five SEC. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, you know, SEC would still lead it, but the ACC would be right behind you with four. And then the Big 12 and the Big 10 has two, and the Pac-12 has one. And who are the coaches that have won it in the SEC aside from Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, two of the greatest coaches of all time, the, one of them the greatest coach of all time? Phil Fulmer in the first year. I know Phil Fulmer is a, a legendary coach. He's a Hall of Famer. Les Miles had a, a, that one. You know, he had some success at LSU, of course, won a national title. And Gene Chizik with Cam Newton. And so it's always been kind of Alabama and then like one other team that's kind of up there with Alabama. Right now it's Georgia. Before that, it was Auburn for a year or two. And before that, it was LSU with Les Miles. And that's it. So it's not SEC. It's just Alabama. And it just blows my mind how other fan bases, it's just, it's a human thing where they got to they gotta feel good about the, their own team because it's part of the SEC. When in actuality, it's just, it's Alabama is so good. And then, here and there there's another every once in a while there's one other team that's kind of up there with Alabama that can win it but that's it and you can say that about the Big 12 it's Oklahoma and Texas the Pac-12 it was USC for all those years now the Pac-12 is incredibly down Ohio State the Big 10 has been up there Michigan's trying to get there and then the ACC it's been Clemson and then and Florida State for a little bit and then also Miami for a year early on in the 2000s so I just it's a weird mode and it just annoys me because if you're an Alabama fan, go for it. Yeah, you guys are great. You dominate. You're the best team. You always are. But it's just the other fan bases outside of, I mean, Georgia, sure, Georgia's really good the last couple of years. But before the last couple of years, Georgia's been with Mark Richt. Yeah, they were always kind of there, but they would always kind of get embarrassed in the SEC title game. They'd win the Bad East. Uh, and, and now Kirby Smart's got them playing pretty well. I know Auburn had a couple of good years because of Cam Newton. And, um, you know, LSU in that really bizarre year in 2007 where a lot of teams – had losing not had what two losses that was a weird year i don't Everybody know could have won I, that season i they get all the best players in that conference i get it but it's been for the most part one team that's coming out of there and that just annoys me i don't know before alabama it was florida and lsu and we had auburn i i just i don't the sec is, is very clearly the best conference i i don't i mean it's just i think I think trying to argue otherwise in this, even like even Alabama withstanding, I, I just I think there's a difference between arguing best conference and best players. No, I agree. I, I don't. I don't think it's the most difficult conference to like tra traverse through, but they they absolutely have the most. They have mo absolutely have the 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 collection of the most talented players, and they typically have the best teams at the top. And like I don't know what else you can ask for. That they're that's what the measuring stick is always going to be. One conference is best against the other conference's best, and it is undeniable that the SEC has had the best teams over the course of basically the last two decades. Undeniable. Like, I, I you know, and I think everything else just kind of sounds like sour grapes to this point. Beat them is my, is my response to it. Beat them. Well, you've said it before that Bama is effectively, like, Bama, Bama, Nick Saban has done this to college football. I, You're basically yeah, saying I understand beat that. Alabama. I understand that, but you know what? 
the SEC narrative was there before Al- before Nick Saban got to Alabama. Yeah, and it wasn't winning as many titles as it, as it was, and since Bama got there, that's I mean, my point. They like, were, it was, but they were the only reason that they weren't. You know, I know LSU won one over LSU and or over OU in two thousand three, and then before that, you had you had historically well, you had historically great Miami and USC teams in the early part of the decade. And then since then, it's just it's been it's just been the SEC. That that's all it is. And when it hasn't been the SEC, it's been Florida State or Clemson, which is basically the SEC. Okay, well, but it's not. I mean, I get your point. It's that region of the country. Yeah, they're 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 recruiting from the same spot. All I'm saying is that if you're a a fan of legitimately any other team other than Alabama or Georgia or I guess Auburn right now, and you're using the fact that you play in the SEC as like some sort of barometer to your happiness that, that your team is actually better than everybody else, then I, that's weird to me because it's just not true. I mean, the SEC could truly become the greatest conference with the, be- the best conference with the best players if they could start utilizing some more principles offensively to actually challenge these other teams. And I mean, it just they, you don't see it. And I, I realize that other conferences could do that too, but in a weird way, I mean, the Big 12 defenses, again, are bad, but the reason why they're bad is, man, it's just it's difficult to play defense in that conference, and this is another thing about college football that's just annoying. There's so many teams that you just don't get to see everybody play against everybody else like in the NFL, which would be fun. But, um, yeah, I, I get it. It sounds like to, to any, anybody, any SEC Alabama fan, this does sound like me being sour grace, but I'm just trying to point out something that that is, I mean, if it's not Nick Saban or Urban Meyer – it's, it's everybody else is kind of the same. And I mean, o- Oklahoma with Bob Stoops won one, Texas won one. You know, Dabo Sweeney's having success. Miami early on won um, Florida State with Jimbo Fisher. And, um, oh, geez, now the, my gosh, I, I'm blanking on the Bobby Bowden. There we go. So I just, it annoys me. It annoys me whenever Alabama is essentially the SEC. And if it was an, if they were an independent school, then the SEC probably couldn't boast as much as they do. I just that'd be a, it's a fun thing to think about from my perspective. Is if Alabama was the independent team and had to got to play a bunch of random other teams and didn't just play the I SEC. Think, I think a lot of the times we live, you know, in as a prisoner in the moment, and I think right now it's it's so hard not to think that Alabama just has a stranglehold over the sport. But Nick Saban is not going to be there forever. The sport is going to go on for years and years and years. And things, you know, things are going to change. I, I, we, we never know what's what's going to happen in other parts of the country. We never, like, we, we don't know how this the Lincoln Riley Tom Herman era is going to affect the Big Twelve. I mean, what if, if, you know, if Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman get OU and Texas to the point of where they were in the early two thousands, then then this is a whole different ball game for the rest of the country. Um, if if Cliff Kingsbury can help USC get to anywhere close to where they were under Pete Carroll. Now we're, now we're kind of starting to talk about other stuff here. Um, it's, it's different. I mean, this, the rest, the rest of college football needs to catch up. And I, I think that's, that's, that's just obviously true. Um, but it's, yeah. you know, as hey. long as Nick Saban is at Bama, I just, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're a massive college football recruit who has any sort of hope of getting to the NFL, why on earth would you go anywhere else? Yeah, no, you're right. 
Or, I mean, why on earth would you go anywhere else other than, and I'll give the SEC credit. I mean, you go to Georgia, go to LSU, you're a defensive player. I mean, they put these guys in the NFL, these defensive backs, these linebackers, these defensive linemen. Ohio State, too. Ohio State puts a lot of defensive players in the NFL and offensive players. So, I mean, I, you know, credit to them. Yeah, they get the best players. I'm not going to deny that. That's 100% true. Look at the recruiting rankings. So, yeah, it's – and. I guess the last thing, too, is just it's, it's annoying that, the, that college football has effectively turned into the NBA in the last handful of years, whereas the same teams are there at the very end, and as much as the regular season can kind of be unpredictable here and there, but you've said it before multiple times on this podcast this year, this has been a bad year of college football. It has been, but Lee, this is also, this really is kind of the status quo in college football. It's, there rarely is a lot of parody. It's, I mean... The, the teams at the top kind of change from generation to generation. And I think we're, like I said, we're, we're suffering from recency bias with Alabama. And I don't think we realize how, how unique this Alabama dynasty is. Th- this is the best run of any program in the history of college football. I think we need to remember that. Um, that yeah, this there's is, always errors. There's this, always teams in every era that That dominate. this is very, I, I very likely to like never be replicated, what Alabama's doing yeah. right now. So never I, say never. I, I guess, yeah, but... And I think Nick Saban's going to be there forever. That guy, he still seems like he's a spry, like, 35-year-old. I mean, Yeah, he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there for 20 <laughs> years. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that dude just... Dude's so good. Uh, he's just, he, he I just his I, guys going. I, I think it would be really good for college football if, if he left the SEC and went somewhere else. Just like... And that, I don't think that would ever happen. I think he'd be dumb to do it. But it would be cool to see if he could just like turn yeah. like a like a Pac twelve cool. team around. I think that would be that would be really cool for college football. Just yeah, to see how just like you know, if he ever gets to the point where he really truly wants a, his next big challenge to uh to yeah, to turn around just an also ran program in a different conference. That would be really fun to watch. I agree. And I mean, Alabama was kinda down when he got there. I mean, obviously Alabama's got a lot of history, but I mean it was kinda down and he brought it back up. And uh, it was they were on yeah, a they were on a 10 year run of being just pretty irrelevant in college football when they hired him. And uh, it's just so he's he's earned everything. He's great. And uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if I'd be surprised if they don't beat Clemson. Will I watch that game? Yeah, probably not. I don't have any interest in watching it. I just the college football season to me kind of seems like it's over and this is a weird one because the the playoff semifinals were so early this year there's all these other games now after the semifinals grant and as of right now i mean i'm a prisoner of the moment but i i don't feel a whole lot of interest into watching a lot of these new year's day games and and whatnot i mean i'm gonna have to watch oklahoma state play for work and things like that which is fine i'm curious to see what happens in that game honestly but yeah it's just it's weird how you feel when, when the season kind of ends like this right grant because you're just kind of like well I, I'm kind of good. I don't really need to see any more college football. I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's kind of how yeah, I feel. I'm, I'm pretty similar. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch, obviously, like on New Year's Day, that stuff. I mean, I always like to watch the Rose Bowl, but um, I no, I don't really particularly care about the outcome of any sort of game. Um, I think I think Clemson, Alabama um, is, I, I think is, I, I'm tired of it. I, I just, I'm not, um, that, that part of, just sort of the equation I don't really have a lot of interest in. I think from a pure football standpoint, um, if you if you change the logos on the helmets, this would be a much more interesting game just because I, I, I am. I'm tired of Alabama-Clemson. Um, and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of crowd is on hand um, in, in San Francisco for that game because 
that's not a realistic travel for really any of those fans. And they've all been, it's like, this, this is the fourth straight year they've all done this now. Uh, so I'm really interested to see <laughs> if, crazy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not a full stadium. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, from a football hmm. standpoint, it's obviously an interesting game because, oh, absolutely. Because Both Clemson, fantastic. because Clemson can get pressure without, without having to send extra guys. And presumably they're going to just, by virtue of having three first round picks on their defensive line, they're probably going to be able to control the run game of Alabama. Um, but I think on the flip side, I, I, I don't, I, I think Alabama is probably going to be able to rush the passer pretty effectively, uh, without sending extra guys as well. But man, I, Trevor Lawrence is really good. So, um, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to, you know, Clemson has the, has the big, you know, freakishly tall receivers on the outside. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a formula for beating Bama. I think they're going to go to Justin Rogers and, and T Higgins, uh, very often in that game. They're going to try to throw back shoulders and jump balls um, because really that was their formula for beating Alabama two years ago in the national title, just going to Mike Williams. Yep, they've already done it before. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can get him without Deshaun Watson. Keep in mind, though, that Trevor Lawrence, I agree, very good player, true freshman. Like Kyler Murray, though, he has not seen a defense, and apologies to Notre Dame, Trevor Lawrence has not seen a defense anywhere near this good all season long. So that'll keep that in mind for the first the first quarter. Uh, we'll see if he can adjust how he reacts to that early push by the Alabama defensive line. Uh, can he come back from it? Absolutely, he's a good, he's a really good player. And Clemson's been there; they got great coaches. They know what to do. They're gonna uh, they have a defense that can get stops if Clemson's offense sputters a bit. And it, I think it's probably going to be a really good game again. But I th- you made a good point. Change the logos on the helmets. I'd be a lot more interested in the game. But it's like, yep, yeah, we've seen this before. Will I watch it from start to finish? Probably not. All right, that, uh, that does it. You know what? Stay tuned to the Facebook page and, and social media and whatnot. I, I don't know what our schedule is going to be moving forward. We might take a little bit of time off here to, to, to decompress from the season. If any news comes out that is uh, worthy of a podcast, we'll jump back on. We'll do one. But uh, until then, stay tuned to the Facebook page for any updates on our next episode. Guys, it's been a fun season. Oklahoma just met their match on Saturday night. Once again, tip your caps to Alabama. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.